You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. So you're feeling it, you're improvising, and this feels good. Oh, that's a nice chunk. This is a nice chunk. And then it's kind of like taking all of that into your brain and processing that so you can actually play that solo for this this point of time. You know, much like what you would do with a technical, you know, metal band. You plan all that stuff out, but you still want it to feel like in the moment. So you're still performing that solo live. So it's like if you listen to a track on the record, you know, there might be one or two punch-ins, but that's probably it. Um, in live, I may do that solo. I may stretch out and do something else. Rob will definitely stretch out and do something else because I think Rob is like, I don't want to do the same thing twice. I'm not going to learn the solo I did. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing a craft beer. I hope that you've all been having a killer week so far. I most certainly have been. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast if there's someone in your life that loves progressive metal you should absolutely let them know that the vox and hops metal podcast exists you can tell them that there are over 380 episodes where i sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians we talk all about their lives and music while sharing a craft beer if you were to encourage one of your prog loving friends to become a brand new vox and hops head that would be something that i would truly appreciate now today on the podcast i'm very stoked to be with will severin and rob lindquist of crazy Swedes. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 388. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm very, very stoked to be joined by Rob Lindquist and Will Severin of Crazy Swedes. Uh, how you doing, guys? Great. Very, very stoked to be with you. Uh, when I got uh, asked to have this conversation, uh, I wasn't aware of the band, but uh, we have strong beer connections. So, so I love that. Uh, beer is an important part of my life. It seems to be an important part of your lives. Um, so stoked to be hanging out with you. Let's ask the shittiest question, and then we'll have fun after there. Uh, how have you guys been coping throughout the glorious years of 2020, 2021, uh, most of 2022? It's almost finished by the time this comes out. It's going to be 2023, so 2023 is going to be a better year. How have you guys been doing throughout all the madness that's been happening in our lives? Um, you know what? It's kind of interesting. The release that we just put out in late September uh, really was a culmination of COVID. Uh, we did basic tracks, you know, before COVID hit and Rob and I, basically we had, it, it was kind of shelved for a little while. And then it was like, Hey, guess we can't really, uh, you know, the way of live playing. So, uh, so we basically, uh, decided let's basically do what we can do in our home studios. And, uh, that's basically how we completed the record. So COVID in some ways was, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say it's a blessing dude, but in some ways, you know, it, it was just, it let us kind of really hone in on the arrangements, hone in on uh, the different sounds and things from a production aspect. Uh, and then, you know, basically that the fruition of that became what the, uh, the release is that came out just this past September. So, so for us, it was like, you know, making a lemonade out of lemons, you know, this is what we have to do. And, and it's interesting that, that the hustle and bustle of life, the way that we're so busy, normally, the pandemic, the COVID sort of gave us permission to take a break, which allowed us to do a lot of these 
back burner project. So it's, I'm stoked that Crazy Swedes came to life out of something shitty. Uh, well, what are your thoughts about this, Rob? Um, I've always enjoyed um, making music with Will. And so, like, uh, you know, it, it, it was one of those things where it's like, hey, now we have a little more time to do stuff from our basements and kind of go through some material and and just kind of chisel away at this project. So it was kind of a blessing. And I know some people had a lot of tough time with COVID and, and it, was, it was horrible to all have to be locked up, but it does allow you to be creative and, and kind of make good use of the time if you're smart enough to like take advantage of that. So it was fun. You know, I would send him a track, he would send me a track and we would do some things and uh, just play around with some stuff um, as we got closer to working through the album. So Very, very cool. And it's cool of the modern age. I, I've said this before on the podcast. I'm very happy that the pandemic hit now as opposed to you know and obviously i wasn't alive but let's say in the 1800s or something well there was plagues that happened back then too but imagine like how disconnected we'd all be thanks to technology now where we're much more connected than we would have been if there was no internet when the pandemic hit we wouldn't have been able to do those file sharing we wouldn't be able to have these zoom meetings so so I, there, there's you know the timing of it was beneficial for certain things uh, vox and hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends talking about their lives and music while sharing a craft beer uh, what beers do you guys have on your side that we're going to be sharing virtually today rob you want to go first i just i just grabbed something kind of light kind of reminiscent of maybe the warmer weather just grab the fiddlehead wit actually haven't had that one uh yet because that's uh i usually have their ipas and they're from vermont fantastic brewery and uh it's really good so just nice nice. let me think about the warm weather hopefully we'll have in a few more months (laughs) so i that's so funny because i literally just picked up a 12 pack of (laughs) wouldn't that be funny yeah if we both had that was actually my breakfast beer believe it or not you know (laughs) (laughs) it's good it's tasty it's very tasty how about you? How about you, Will? All right. So let's see what I'm going to do first here. I'm going to do first. I've got a, uh, this is from Vitamin C Brewing in Massachusetts. And this is Due North IPA. Very nice. If you haven't had Vitamin C yet, check Vitamin C out. Um, their triples, I kid you not, taste like singles. Really? Uh, I- yeah, I mean, they're just really well done. And they've done collabs with a number of other, other breweries. Uh, you know, um, I know Equilibrium's done a number of things with them. Um, there's been others, but vitamin C is pretty, pretty damn solid. Awesome. Definitely on my radar now, Will. Thank you so much. Now, I have two beers here, and uh, they've been living in my fridge. And if you guys know where I'm headed with this, you guys have a YouTube thing where you have you drink good beers gone bad so uh, i've watched a bit of it it's funny i enjoyed it uh, so i have two of my collabs that have been living in my fridge for far too long the actual very first canned vox and hops collab from henderson brewing it's a black lager called devastation it was made for devastation on the nation 2020 so it's old <laughs> and it's been living <laughs> in my fridge. Shout out to Jamie Morris uh, for making this happen. The very first canned Vox and Hops collab. I was so stoked when this came out and then everything got canceled. It was <laughs> anyways. And then I also have something that came out last year, which is also far past its prime. Uh, double Vox and Over Hops, which is the double New England from Overhop Canada. Came out last year for the three-year anniversary of Vox and Hops. I'm now at the four-year. So this is a year-old New England. I don't know what this is going to be like. I have a feeling the hops are far past their prime. So let's see what goes on. Let's, let's, let's just see. I, 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 I'll open them both. And the one that is most palatable, and, and, and people listening to this, I'm not giving any, you know, I'm not saying that Henderson didn't do a good job. I'm not saying that 
Overhop didn't do a good job. It's just certain beers have shelf lives and they change over time. As I'm cracking this, you guys are experts on this. So, so t- talk to me about that. Why beers have shelf lives? I, I feel like, and I always say this, and I think Will probably agrees with me. Like, you know, after the three months, all all things fall apart. Uh, New England, hazy, right? So, like, I've literally tried this with a lot of beers. Now, some some companies, well, it'll hold up better. Actually, the colors not half bad. Yeah. Um, some, some companies like will, you know, like I find like foam beers, uh, which is also Vermont Treehouse, Massachusetts. And what a lot of people know Treehouse. like those beers seem to last like pretty good five, six months. Will would you say like they're, they're still decent, but yeah, it's but- that three month mark for most beers. I'm not going to name some other brands, <laughs> just, <laughs> but they, um, they just fall apart. They're like sickly sweet and they become oxidized and, and, you know, uh, being a brewer and stuff, I, I kind of have a little bit of that. I kind of find that my stuff does not hold up either. Um, <laughs> but then again, they have million dollars worth of equipment to make sure guarantee that there's less oxygen getting into the beer and that kind of stuff too. So, but yeah, I mean, sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes I surprise myself and I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. No, some of the brews are damn good. Yep. So on um, the collar stands up on the double Vox and over hops, as you mentioned, uh, it has been kept cold the whole time, which definitely plays in its favor. Uh, the nose sure. smells a little dead hoppy. A little more farty than I'd like it to be. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. What what uh, what cardboard taste? Do you like what cardboard taste? <laughs> it's uh, it's actually not that bad. I'm, I'm <laughs> it's really not that bad. Cheers. I'm 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 actually quite impressed. This one is quite foamy. This one is actually it was living in my cupboard and then it made its way into my fridge. I would say about two months ago. So, and it was tight when it was in the cupboard. So, I would, the can, I mean. So, I was like, ooh, yeah. I, I got to get this cold and I got to drink this soon. Let's see what this has got. It's got a nice, it smells amazing still. <laughs> this is actually really still very good. And th- that was my, my suspicion was that the, the black lager was going to hold up. Very, very good. I, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and forth through at the end. We'll see how this goes. Cheers. Uh, talk about beer. Uh, I'd love to hear about your very first beers. Do you remember the first beers that you guys ever drank? I have a pretty funny story. Um, and that is, sure, I'd had various beers, but, you know, it was really before I was cued into the whole craft beer scene, really before it was more of a movement. Um, so I remember going to a party, and it's it's kind of funny because it was actually uh, our bass player in Crazy Swedes, uh, Eric Schwanke. Invited me to a party that he had had, uh, and he's like, you want a beer? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll have a beer. So, you know, I'm looking at this beer, and I've never seen this before, and I open it, and it was Victory Hop Devil, a victory out of Pennsylvania. Um, and, you know, I mean, this is old school, man. This is like, you know, more West Coast type style. But for me, it was just like, what is this? Um, and that just kind of like, from that point on, I just became a beer snob. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> that was the first beer that you've ever had? That's really interesting. Well, not the first beer I'd ever had, but it's like nothing before that had ever been like appealing. It was like, yeah, whatever, I'll have a beer. It's not, it wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? But that was kind of a gateway where it was like, then you started searching out breweries. Then you started searching out different styles of beers. Um, that there was more to beer than, you know, your, uh, what do you want to say? Your Molson's and your, you know, uh, Heineken's, you know, it became kind of like, oh, okay, cool. This is actually like, uh, there's, there's an art here. There's something more, you know? So, you know, then we traveled like, you know, my wife and I, we've, we've actually traveled just to drink. So, I mean, we've been to Belgium a number of times, um, you know, places in Europe. 
um, you know, and obviously all over the U.S. And Rob and I have visited a bunch of breweries here in the U.S. Uh, that's just like, yeah, it's a, it's, it's not only a pastime, it's a passion. Um, Rob's a killer brewer and, you know, basically we have brewed some batches together, but it's inevitably an excuse to get together and drink. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, who gathered what this, this week, where did you go? What do you got? So it's like, you know, we have our own big, uh, sampling thing, invite a few other friends over while we're basically, you know, while he's making a brew. Fantastic. How about you, Rob? Do you remember that first beer? The very first beer? Yeah, kind of. Uh, it was probably a tie between like, um, Coors Light and I think Old English. <laughs> and, and so I got, I got a funny story. And I think it's the Old English because I was in a band and uh, my parents will probably never listen to this. It's okay, I can share. Um, basically, uh, I was in a band. I was probably like 16 or 17 or whatever, um, maybe 16. And we were playing. I was always playing with older musicians because, you know, I just, I was able to, you know, hang with some of the older kids, right? So, we were, you know, after after a gig, I was talking about how ah, it'd be great to have a beer. And they're like, you can't. We'll get you a beer. And they bought me, like, was it Old English 800 or one of those malt liquors? And they bought me two. And I think they're like 8%. They and they're are, both they're like they're tall boys. They're like 20 ounces or whatever. So I got wrecked on that. Um, and it was it was a pretty, uh, it was a rough night. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so my, first, my first drinking night was not a, hey, I got a nice buzz. It was a, uh, here's the toilet. I'm yeah. going to stay sleep here for the rest of the night kind of thing. Man. But uh, the next time I, I kind of figured a little bit more out. And as you know, even when you're older, you still don't always have that under control. And you're like, oops, I guess I had a little too much this time. But no, it was, it was a good, it was a good hang. But uh, unfortunately, the first time was rough. Uh, how about the the craft beer evolution? I heard a, Will told us about his gateway beer that Victory Brew. How, how about the, that beer for you? Right, a, a real beer. Um, so my first real beer, I think, was probably um, I want to say Unibrew. Um, really? Mon, mon, and if I say it wrong, I always say Mordidi or Mordit. La Mordite. Of course, I said it perfect. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that was one of the first ones that I had. I think that was really, uh, and maybe Sam Spitting Up Brown, actually. Sam Spitting Up Brown, when I was playing at this uh, bar in Saratoga, I was probably like 18 or so. And they would, they would always offer that. So maybe it was the nut brown, but yeah. And, and, it, and it, it's amazing that difference, too, when you have that for you, like, oh, this is this is where it's at. First sip, I'm like, I thought it had a taste, you know, thin and like toilet water or something, but <laughs> no, it was great. It's great beer. And after that, it's like, you know, once you get a taste for five things, it's like all things music or whatever. You just, you just start going down that rabbit hole. And, and luckily I met Will, um, we were playing in a, in a, in a wedding band and we, uh, he turned Amazing. me into the hop stuff. Cause I wasn't really, I wasn't really into the hoppy beers until I met him. I mean, just a little bit, maybe some Saranac pale, more Belgian style more caramel english style than the hoppy haze style yeah yeah so like all that like we were like will was saying earlier all that early stuff was called it was west coast but back then it was just ipa because there really was no east coast you know it's just kind of ipa it was hoppy or hoppier and um they were good and i to be honest i i tend to like go back to that sometimes i just mm -hmm. you know i miss some of that old school like resiny like sappy mm -hmm. kind of thing you know, with a little hop bite you know Absolutely. I made a collab like that last year with uh, BG Brasserie Urbain. Uh, we were revisiting old forgotten styles, and mine was a old-school West Coast IPA. Unibrew, uh, I used to be afraid of them. I was like super intrigued by their labels, because they're, they're, they're like metal-looking and um, sort of the, way more interesting than, let's say, a Molson X. 
Yep. Sure. Visually. Uh, yeah, but then yeah. the ABV would terrify me because it was all 9% or something. So I was like, oh, I can't do that. But then finally I fell into uh, Trois Pistoles, which was my yeah. favorite. Love that beer. But I'd always make yeah. the mistake. I would always make the mistake of order, of getting two of them, two of the big, big bottles. And it was always, always too much. And then the next day was a bit of suffering because one never felt like enough, right? <laughs> but yeah, two, it never does. Two was too much. <laughs> How about uh, home brewing? At what point did you start brewing, Rob? Uh, what what what? So you get you get inv- involved with Will, discover the hops. Um, at what point do you start making your own beer? I would say like w- when I was uh, student teaching, I went up to uh, Potsdam, which is actually not too far from Cano there, um, and uh, I uh, got into home brewing when I went to Watertown, um, New York, which I think is um, about thirty minutes from the border. So um, I just at a whim, you know, a lot of free time. I was doing you know learning how to you know student teach basically and i had all this time to burn and then i got into it around 90 99 2000 and then i you know did it for about two or three years made some okay ish beers you know there's a lot of like fine notes about it like as far as like brewing temperatures and different things so some of it i had to choke down or you try to give to friends and then they don't <laughs> want to drink as much because it wasn't really awesome there's a lot of leaders to get rid of Yes. Yes. And if you don't wash your bottles out, that makes for some really interesting tasting stuff. (laughs) So then then I took like a bunch of time off. They're wild. It's farmy. Yes. It was, it was meant. It was open open fermentation, you know, whatever stuff's in the bathroom kind of floats in there and makes a different kind of beer. But no, I took a bunch of time off and I didn't get back into it until about 2009 or so. Maybe, I don't know what Will might remember, but he had a kit. And I said, you know what? I used to do this. And then um, I, me and him were brewing pretty feverishly for a while. And then, you know, then, you know, life happens and you take breaks and stuff. But since then, pretty much 2009, 2010, I think, roughly yep. in that in that period, I've been kind of brewing fairly frequently. So Amazing. It never became something that you were like, oh, this is something I want to make my career. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just it kind of just it's just like uh, art. You know, it's like another thing, another thing to do. And. And anytime I can be creative, I feel like I'm, I can get, get into it. You know, I can just kind of go down that rabbit hole a little bit. So we'll see where it ends up. Maybe in 10 years or so, I can open a little nano brewery or something. Me and Will kind of joke around about that sometimes. You talk about that. It's true. Yeah. Be fun. What would you call it? I don't know, man. That's, yeah. That's a... Drunk Swedes? <laughs> Spin off. Uh, good beer gone bad. How did that idea come about? And... Uh... Was it fun doing? Obviously, it was, but uh, hard to keep doing. Creating content is 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 a lot of work. Uh, most people don't seem to know that 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 when you you start something and then it's easy, but to keep it going is difficult. Yeah, Rob, Rob it was like that was Rob's idea. Rob started that out. He's like, you know, Rob's father is a great guy. Um, he basically likes to hoard beers, so he'll have beers that essentially are like wow, this is, this is in your garage and it's been there for 10 years and you haven't drank this. So that was, I think the impetus for Rob to basically say, Hey, we should do a little like, you know, skit and, you know, good gears gone, beer's gone bad. Let's try these out and just see what happens. So it kind of a lark, kind of an impromptu type thing. And then Rob basically cut, you know, the little videos together and stuff, but you know, Rob and I were just amused by the whole thing. So it was really, I think, for ourselves more than anything else. And hopefully other people dig it. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, we'll we'll probably get back on that horse at some point. But, Rob, you want to talk about that a little bit? No, it's just 
you know, I was going to say, like, your beer you have in front of you there, uh, you say is old, is probably fresh in my dad's book. And it's like, <laughs> that's like fresh beer. Oh, yeah. We literally would open some, and then sometimes we'd be surprised. We don't like, actually, this is sort of palatable. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, and that's what's happening right now. Yeah, it's completely homespun. <laughs> I mean, we're not putting any real effort. We are going to probably. I have just a, a few videos. I have a new one I've been sitting on since COVID. I just haven't gone around finishing it. But at some point, we'll do it up real and get some good, you know, lapel mics or something and a little more real effort. Now, so right yeah. now, it's just kind of jokey, you know, just for fun, kind of like throw your camera up literally and put a little title screen on it. But we're, we're, we may take it, take it to the next level because Will's got a lot of skills and a lot of knowledge and people that he that he works with that we can actually make it look a little bit more polished down the road. So that might be fun. Very, very, very cool. Classic Vox and Hoff's question. Uh, when you're growing up in your parents or guardians house, what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? Oh, that's, that's a good one. Um, well, my dad was a big classical music guy. Um, so it was interesting because it's like, I mean, he was always pretty much, it was like classical music or Sinatra. essentially. Really? Yeah. But then there were certain proggy type things that appealed to him, which I was really surprised by. Because, I mean, it's like, you know, that's how I was introduced to Tchaikovsky, to Mozart, to Wagner. You know, I mean, he was really big into opera. But then on the proggy side of things, it's like, OK, Moody Blues, Nights in White Satin. You know, that was like constantly playing or uh, Rick Wakeman, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. So you got into some of these concepty things, which was really surprising uh, if you knew him. Um, so that was kind of my background. And then, uh, you know, before I actually got into, you know, metal was, it became a serious thing for me. Um, and then it was more instrumental guitar type music, but it kind of all spawned out of that. But before that it was soundtrack music. Like when I saw, when I was a kid and I saw star Wars for the first time, it's, that was like one of the first records that I got was like the soundtrack for star Wars. So I was like, and I still, I compose actually scores for like films and commercials and things like that. So that's a whole like other side, that's kind of how I make my living producing commercials and, you know, uh, film stuff. Uh, but you know, for me, um, I was like big into metal and like, you know, like the early eighties, uh, that was like, that was it for me, you know? And then some of the hair metal I was into, um, but it was like a lot of the shredders, like, uh, you know, like Ingbe Malmsteen was a huge influence early on. You know, I was big into that. And then I kind of started to gravitate a little bit more towards, you know, more fusion oriented stuff like Steve Morris, Dixie Dregs, um, you know, finding like, you know, Mahavishnu Orchestra and stuff that even kind of predated, when you know, when I was growing up. And that's kind of what Crazy Swedes kind of came out of. It was like, this is the band that I envisioned. Like, I wish I was in this band when I was 17. You know what I mean? It's the kind of stuff I want to do. And so it's like, it's a labor of love sidebar project. Um, but that's, I guess, hey, there's there's a musical genesis bringing us up to Crazy Swedes. I'll, I'll toss it over to Rob. You know, along with the hoarding habits my dad has, he's also a giant record collector. And I think that's, um, so he's a disc jockey, worked in Boston for a little bit and, and was local to the Capital District around Albany, New York. But um, so he's, he, I don't even know how many records. We're talking like five digits, like, 25 30,000 records something like that yeah no it's like it's an obscene amount and that's going to be my one of my tasks as winners to try to help put it all in an excel sheet because it's, it's it's just so much for him as a guy it's in the 70s to but anyway he used to listen to like a lot of motown doo-wop stuff and he used to have all sorts of stuff playing so i think i, I think when i look back at it so i wasn't thinking about it at the time but i think there was so much influence in my playing, probably based on all the stuff I was listening to, it could be anywhere between doo-wop, you know, some like psychedelic 
70s kind of music, some new age music, just just different things that was playing. And I, I feel like I owe a lot mm-hmm. to him um, as far as like those influences kind of affecting how I, I play as a musician and, and the things I listen to. But I would say just a mix. I can't even tell you. Probably no metal, though. Like he wasn't into <laughs> that. But I got into like all sorts of different different like rock and progressive rock stuff as I as I got into my teens. Keys. Like I, it makes sense why you fell into the guitar, Will the metal head the 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 ingve for yourself rob gravitating toward the keys where did that come from um well that was like my primary instrument when i was like eight or nine whenever i started playing was that like um, a choice or was that like you're taking piano lessons it was like taking piano lessons initially and it wasn't until i quit that i kind of um found your own voice yeah yeah, I kind of like, oh, it's actually fun now that I'm not being forced to play some goofy, like, you know, <laughs> thing out of the book. And then I kind of was starting to play by ear, trying to learn stuff by ear. And that's the stuff that kind of allowed me to unlock some of like, okay, I actually have a good ear. I can do this stuff. I can improvise. And and then I, I started showing up to like the recitals and playing songs I wrote instead of other things. No way. And you, But at least you had a cool teacher that let you do that. Exactly. She was reluctant at first, but she's like, well, he's not doing the other stuff yeah like i'd play like a mozart piece and then like the end would be like eight measures of something else she'd be like all right why don't you just do your own thing next time so but i think that's also what is really nice about what me and will have too is that we're both like improvising we both like creating and 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 it's kind of we kind of kindred spirits in that way i've got a i've got a really good story um just off what uh what rob was just saying but how i started playing guitar I remember it was like basically it was finished middle school, about to go into junior high. Well, the only you know knowledge I had of what was going on in junior high or high school was my older brother. Now, my older brother George Snyder is the drummer in Crazy Sweets. Okay, so there's, a, there's a whole you know. So everybody that came over to the house played an instrument because there was always like band rehearsals going on at my house in the basement. So it was my brother and whoever whatever band he was in. So all I knew was that everybody that basically like was in junior high or high school had long hair and, and played an instrument. You you had no choice. <laughs> yeah, I that, that was like a thing. So I guess, okay, I'm going to junior high. So mom and dad, can I get a guitar for Christmas? And, uh, you know, and I started growing my hair and I get to high, I get to junior high and it's like not what I thought no, at all. You were the, you were the outcast, right? <laughs> Totally. But by that point, the guitar like actually stuck mm-hmm. because I just started to get into the music and started to get into the instrument. And that that was just there you go. But, you know, so it's I guess if I have anybody to thank or blame, it would be my older brother. Amazing. The guitar is always there for you, though. It's true. Even, it is. It, 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 it was, it's tough being an outcast in high school, but it makes us strong. um first shows do you remember the first music experience you went to go see rob you go first i gotta think about this one no i'm still thinking too i don't know i went through like a stint of like uh listening to christian rock for a while that's okay you know it's your path yeah 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 (laughs) so uh i I think it might have been like petra like one of those early like striper or petra man (laughs) i think it was one of the first like rock and roll shows back in like i don't know early 90s late late 80s maybe something like that um before but, the grunge uh, train yeah yeah exactly. they had a rotating stage uh wow. i forget where that That's was cool. it's kind of cool though um but yeah then i shortly after that I was like all right there's way more interesting stuff to listen to <laughs> <laughs> uh there's, there were some good christian bands but you know 
they're always trying to like basically rip off the other fans. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was that. And I actually saw this guy. It was really inspiring to me. And I'm, I'm not really a guitar player, but I just wanted to play. He had this like really interesting way of like tapping on the neck uh, named Phil Keggy. He was just like, Oh, Phil Keggy. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. He's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And like, he, you know, uh, he, you know, he came from like a Christian background stuff, but, but he uh, really broke into some interesting stuff. His electric and his acoustic playing was like phenomenal. And do some really, really, you know, a a level stuff. So I remember going to see him a couple times, like going out to Buffalo and just you know six hour trip, and just loving watching him play and changing styles. You know, he'd sound like Eric Johnson one minute, and the next minute he'd be like sound like uh, Michael Hedges or or something like that. I know? was just gonna say the whole Michael Hedges thing. I totally always <laughs> thought the thing there, you know. Yeah. So that's some of the earlier stuff I, I remember. But I'm sure I saw stuff when I was a kid. I just don't remember. Nothing was super memorable like that. But so first concerts for me were um, I remember seeing Yes on the 90125 wow. nice. tour. You know when they kind of doing the whole commercial comeback thing. And then the other show that I remember was um, and I went for the opening act, not for the headliner. But you know it was like my brother like you know dragged me along. Uh, it was Alcatraz with Ingve Malmsteen. Yeah. And uh, wow. I think the headliner was Ted Nugent. I think we left before Ted started playing. You know what I mean? It was like not <laughs> Which you know, yeah, you you were you knew what you were doing even back then. <laughs> exactly, your man, brother. Um, how about your first time on stage? Wow, first time on stage. Uh, it's probably like high school battle of the bands or some business like that. You know, there's that that rite of passage that I think a lot of you know little rockers have. Um, but I do remember actually battle of the bands for me was. Even then, instrumental really? and mostly, yeah, and, and mostly like stuff we had composed. Very cool. So that's that's odd. A lot of people where we'd be like, and I've done this with lots of people, and it's typically like cover band. So even back then, and and, and you too, Rob, where you're doing the recitals and then you're composing already. So so it's very cool that, that even at such a young age, you guys were composers. It's amazing. I guess it's just. A, it's just one of those innate things, I guess. You don't really think that you're doing a thing. It's just kind of like, oh, this just feels natural, yeah. you know. And no vocals. Was that a necessity, or was it was it because you couldn't find someone, or was it you knew your voice? No, it was for me because a lot of the stuff that I was listening to at the time, so it was like Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, Steve Morris, you know, things like that. So it was kind of like that's what I aspired to or wanted to emulate. So it was just like, hey, let's do a three piece and do kind of like cool instrumental stuff. There wasn't a bunch of like metal bands trying to steal you uh no weird (laughs) i actually later on became a vocalist but uh that was only out of necessity uh you know we had a number of bands through the years that uh you know i'd be writing a lot of the material but we would eventually just lose our vocalists and i got so frustrated (laughs) that i was like you know what i'm just gonna start singing let's not rely on these other humans these lsd people l lead singer syndrome lsd Lead singer, lead singer disease uh, is, is what it is. LSD. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, so for, for me, it became one of those things where it's like, hey, uh, if I suck, I can deal with that more than somebody bailing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I stuck with it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a decent vocalist. You know what I mean? It's it's I, I think I'm a better guitar player than I am a vocalist, but it's definitely something I do. So. So, yeah, I came to that much later. I love that. How about your first show? It must have been a piano recital. 
Yeah, well, I guess I don't really count those like piano recitals. I mean, uh, I think my first like really performing was at this band like where you know people are paying or whatever door cover to come see me kind of thing. Um, it was at this place called Mother's Earth Cafe, I think in Albany. I know that place. And, you remember that place, dude? Yeah, it's totally. Yeah, some interesting stuff there. They used to have like just bands in. You make like you know probably tip jar kind of stuff, or they have a dollar door cover or something goofy like that. But you get paid your first gig. That's amazing. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, I might have done like a you know coffee house thing at some point. I just don't remember. But I remember this being like the first kind of real gig, and I actually brought equipment. And it's like I had like these old Bose speakers and trying to run sound and all the cables didn't work well it was one of those wild experiences and everything's feedbacking i'm like i don't know what i'm doing i'm just bringing my dad's stuff that he had left over from djing in the day and um and we were hooking up and we're playing and uh we had we had some we had some crazy songs we had one called ron jeremy we had an instrumental called ron jeremy uh, which was uh which was uh interesting and i didn't understand the origin story of that name but uh we had it was like a 10 minute instrumental and um uh, that was pretty fun. And then we, we had some other songs and then um, I remember there being like some kind of drama. Like we went too long. We were the opening band and the second band was all annoyed with us. But uh, that was some of my earliest days and it was fun, you know? And I, I was always kind of the guy that kind of like, I was more of a jazz, even back then I was more of a jazz head. So I kind of like was trying to encourage the band to like do more than like two chords, you know, like <laughs> throw a couple seventh chords in there and that kind of stuff. So, but it was fun. It was fun. It was probably like a, you know, 16 or 15 or something like that. Very, very cool. Uh, opening bands that are listening to this, you got to finish on time though. Don't, don't, don't listen to Rob. It's not, oh, yeah. it's, not it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. I agree with you, man. I've been on the other side of that going too. Yeah. It's a tough one, right? I mean, we gotta be respectful, but there's like some insecurity sometimes from the other bands. Like, like we are your opener, you know, we are your opener, but we, we get it. You're the main people. <laughs> Crazy Swedes. Um, it took a pandemic to make it happen. Uh, you had to basically start your own projects that you've always wanted to be in, Will. Uh, you guys are collaborating together uh, after being in wedding bands together, jamming together. Something that's interesting about the whole thing that I don't know if I, I, I just say, maybe I'm just not familiar with the genre enough, but jam bands and like, is that something that still happens in 2022 and 2023? I feel like it's not as popular as it used to be in the seventies and the eighties. Let's say. Dude, honestly, I think you do actually still, it still is a thing. Um, you know I mean? You, you look at bands like Mo fish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like they're still going strong and there's like other bands that are twiddle. There's other bands yeah. that are still trying to emulate that whole thing. You know what I mean? So I think we're kind of an outlier it's like, I guess we maybe have one foot in that because of like the improvisational aspect. Mm -hmm. But I think that what we're doing is also more polished and more technical. Okay. Um, so it really is kind of like we've got one foot in the 70s and 80s, kind of like jazz fusion era, like classic stuff. And, you know, it's interesting, like a lot of the notices that we've received or, you know, reviews, whatnot, do kind of touch on that, that it's like, this is a breath of fresh air in so far as it has the nostalgia, but it's also has a foot in today. Amazing. Uh, you know what I mean? So, so for us, we didn't really, honestly, we really didn't think about, Hey, we're looking to appeal to this crowd or that crowd. We made music and it was for us. Uh, I'm in a technical death metal band. So every second, every beat, everything is organized, discussed, um, 
put there for a reason. We fought for everything, basically. Very different from what you guys are doing. Because there's a structure, but you have freedom. And the song is always just a little bit different. Like, if you play What's on the Record, which we're talking about, Crazy Swedes, that came out in September. If you do it live, it won't be that, basically. It'll never be exactly the same. So that's interesting. How do you know when it's done like on the record how do you know when you're satisfied if you there's it's like an infinite portal of of any possibilities of any notes of any combinations that could have been there how did you know that that was the one that you wanted to showcase to the world that's interesting um i'll go first and i'll toss it over to rob but i think when we were talking about the record as opposed to what we would do in a live performance because in a live performance it's like okay here's here's our intro here's your hook and then it's basically, okay, we got this progression and toss it off to whoever, and they're going to basically solo over these changes. And then they're going to they're gonna cue you when they're finished. Okay, I'm ready to go. We'll go into the next section. And then it's basically somebody else's turn. You know, kind of in, in, in more of a traditional jazz sense where you're just tossing things back and forth, right? Uh, I think the difference for us on the record was, okay, we have to make this a finite thing because you can't go on forever. Um, <laughs> could but, be multiple versions of it. It'd be so I cool. know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think the challenge um, for us was to think about, I didn't want this to be a live document. I wanted this to be kind of a, a little more polished, but not too polished, produced, but not too produced. So, you know, basically for me, um, okay, well, this is the finite time that you have to basically improvise your thing over. And then for me, at least the way I work, I would do a number of passes and to, to the point where you're essentially writing your solo. So you're feeling it, you're improvising, and this feels good. Oh, that's a nice chunk. This is a nice chunk. And then it's kind of like taking all of that into your brain and processing that so you can actually play that solo for this this point of time you know much like what you would do with a, a technical you know metal band you plan all that stuff out but you still want it to feel like in the moment so you're still performing that solo live so it's like if you listen to a track on the record you know there might be one or two punch-ins but that's probably it it's like basically it's like oh i learned it's enough to basically get this down so that this is what it is on the record um in live i may do that solo I may stretch out and do something else. Rob will definitely stretch out and do something else because I think Rob is like, I don't want to do the same thing twice. I'm not going to learn the solo I did. So it's kind of funny when we were doing actually the videos for the record. <laughs> I already I had to learn the solo. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, you basically had to learn the solo because that's what you're supposed to be playing. So, yeah. uh, but, but that was kind of, you know, the difference between doing the record and doing you know something that would be live like live it will always be a little different um but i'm i'm really happy with the way the record came out i mean our, our the, the co-producer that i work with chris dice got a couple grammys and i've known him forever he works on a lot of my stuff um you know he kind of we have our own shorthand rob and i have our own shorthand um you know george and eric basically lock up and you know they're they're obviously part of the whole you know recipe that makes swedes what it is but but I'll hand it over to Rob to talk a little bit about the record and kind yeah, of. Yeah, his- no, I, I I think like pretty much everything Will said, you know, is, is accurate. Like, I mean, we definitely have a structure. It's, I wouldn't say it's jams in the sense of just a simple head or some simple melody, and then we just kind of play. But there's definitely structured things that happen, and then maybe under a solo, that part gets inserted or different things happen. But um, 
yeah, generally speaking, we have like kind of like a framework and then we're able to explore with that framework. You know, we know where the drum outro is going to be, you know, but when it comes to the solos, yeah, I, I think also for me, um, and I've done a, a good share of transcribing as a, as a, uh, jazz head. So like, I have no problem, but yeah, learning my solo on a couple of those tunes was like, gee whiz, why'd I play so many notes? I can go back and <laughs> like learn this now. Um, but I, 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 I egged you much... on with the notes. I think I egged you on. So, you know, yeah, yeah, I did. Well, I just, you know, there's just one tune we did and I, I took like a double solo. I thought it'd be clever to do like a Fender road solo going into a, a synth, like a lead solo. Kind of yeah. thing. And I was like, Oh geez. So I like, it was a little long winded on that one, but it was fun to learn and, and to be able to, play back some of that stuff but i i just enjoy creating on the spot and i think because i improvise so often um in other works and other things that i do i just feel comfortable um in that way and it's not all going to be gold you know obviously you're going to have better times than other times but i feel like i i get i actually feel better playing live than i do studio because i got the cans on and i'm just like ah oh, don't like this a little self-loathing kicks in when you start playing and you have to like has to do another take. And then when you get to like three or four takes a microscope right on you. Yeah. 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 I just like, you're like, ah, oh, you hear every little thing. Yeah, exactly. So, but no, it's great. We, we, we had a lot of fun and, and, you know, some post-production stuff was, was kind of cool too, to be able to do some layering. And that's where COVID was nice to be able to do some of that. Well, it's, it, you know, it's interesting. It's like one of the tracks on the record that became one of my favorite was, to me, like we would do it live and it was like my least favorite song to play. It's like, ah, we'll fill the set out. So we got to do this. But, you know, because of COVID, because we had the time, it's like, you know, I ended up kind of working the arrangement a little bit more and worked a whole like horn section into it. And, you know, a good friend of ours came in and did a, a couple trumpet solos and it became something different. And it's like one of my favorite cuts on the record. You know, it's uh, what's on tap is the name of the cut. Um, Total beer reference. There's a lot of references <laughs> on the record, even the titles. You know, flight number four. What's on tap? You know, Amazing. but um, yeah. But it's it's one of those things where uh, you know when you have the time to break things down, you have the time to kind of you know be smarter about it, or somehow like you're afforded the time to be more creative. Um, you just find different things that you didn't see when you're just kind of blowing through things live. So, you know, I think for Rob, it was like different layers, finding different like parts, you know, uh, for, for me, even with the guitar, same type of thing. It was like orchestrating those things where, oh, this these parts work better together, even though we'll never be able to do it exactly this way live because you don't have that many, you know, hands, um, you know, or, hey, we're going to put a horn section in this tune and we're going to bring a trumpet player in. So. So that's, uh, you know, the, the freedom of time uh, to kind of like, you know, make things a bit more interesting or think about things in a different way and kind of bring that to fruition was, yeah, that was, that was awesome. I think I finally understand the whole fish thing now and why the Grateful Dead, why people followed them and watched all the shows, aside from the culture, it's just every show was a little bit different. And if you were that avid of a fan you you could appreciate that and see from day to day how a song can evolve even with it's staying within the same framework i think i'm finally understanding that so so i'm, I'm happy that we had this conversation so that i i finally understand why all these people just gave up everything to follow these bands that they loved <laughs> well it's 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 interesting because it's like well i would first say maybe this is controversial but you know hey i guess swedes would be like maybe somewhat tangentially related to some of those bands but Without the drugs, it's beer instead. So that's why that's, we're talking to you. So that's, <laughs> why, you know. But then, then two would be, uh, you know, I 
get where you're coming from with the whole like technical thing, because, you know, one of the other acts that I was in, everything was literally down to the beat and everything was very technical. I mean, the drummer basically like played to a click. We have to basically. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to shoot you like some of the infinite spectrum stuff. That, that yeah. we, you would probably dig it, man. I mean, we did like uh, the last record that we did that was actually released um, was a concept record based on HP Lovecraft's uh, Haunter of the Dark. So you, you would probably dig that, but there's, there's like, you know, all kinds of blast beats, all kinds of crazy shit going on. You know what I mean? So I remember when Will played some of that for me, I was like, it was, it was pretty killing. I remember all the work that he put in to, to really bring that, that group up to the next level. You know, I heard earlier examples and then I heard what he was doing. So he put so much effort into it. And I remember the first thing I think is like, why aren't you playing guitar in this? Because it was like, <laughs> you know, he's singing on the whole thing, and I'm like, oh my god, you should be playing guitar. You're just as good as that guy. Um, and, and it was, it was kind of interesting to see him just like say, eh, nope, I'm going to be the lead man. I'm going to be the front guy, and I'm just going to do the vocals. And uh, it was kind of wild. But all yeah, oh, there's a lot of layers and really interesting stuff. And I think he did some underscoring in there. He was putting in like really interesting, like you know, string soft synth parts and stuff. It was pretty, pretty cool to hear. Yeah, just trying to make it a little more cinematic, even though it's yeah. like totally metal, you know, progressive metal, right. but, you know, right. a lot of a lot of like, you know, cinematic elements as well, you know, so. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, We've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Obviously, I love collabs. I, I love making things with uh, my logo on it. I've released 60 beer collabs in the past four years. I've done some stuff for Cryptopsy. I've done um, coffees. I've done teas. Uh, if you can make... A perfect collab for Crazy Swedes. What would it be? Obviously, it's a beer. What style of beer would it be? What would you call it? And if there's a brewery out there that you'd love to collaborate, why not give a shout out? It might happen. You never know. My buddy, uh, Steve Parker in Fidens in uh, Colony, New York, which is pretty close here. Killer's Brewery. Yeah, up and, up and coming big time. You know, he's moving fast. He's making some good pacing. But um, there's so many breweries, you know, so many good breweries we like in Vermont, Mass. But... You know, like the Treehouse, Trillium, Foam, all those kind of places that are that are awesome. But around here, that guy seems to be up and coming, I think, for sure. Oh, I think he's definitely, you know, among the top tier of what we have, like, in this region. Yeah. And it's really good stuff, man. Um, I mean, basically selling out yeah. all the time. So I, he's not distributing much yet. It's still pretty much. And he's been doing a lot of collabs with, like, other, you know, notable breweries. Um, so yeah, Fidens is definitely one to look out for, for you as well. That's something yeah, that you should I'm, check. I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> I, I'm a big Vermont guy, but you know who I'm really a huge fan of is, uh, other half. 
other half brewing is amazing. I guess if I was going to say, hey, could you could you do a collab with somebody? I would say, hey, can we make it another half? That would be right now. Can you guys agree on a style? What what is the perfect style for Crazy Sweets? Oof. He knows what I'm going to say, so that's why I'm like looking at him. <laughs> well, I would like to say hop forward. We can start there. Um, probably hazy, like a juicy kind of thing. Probably. But we do like everything, really. Yeah. You know, we like all, you know, speaking of different styles, here's one that, for contrast, yeah, or cider, a little German, German like amberish, you know, lager. So. You know, you know what I've been really digging lately uh, that is not all that popular is I I, I dig the uh, extra special bitter man the ESB. Yeah, ESB they're coming sure. back man they're kind of, I've seen a lot of breweries starting to do those that's coming back I'm loving the old school styles that are being rediscovered by hop heads because it's it's always the same journey right you we hook people in with the hops and the big juicy slightly sweet IPAs and then they get that into the pastry stouts they're like oh my this is beer smoothie sours i love beer and then they they get totally over that and then they want to drink crispy boys check lagers and then rediscovering other more styles styles yeah. more like just more complex and more refined right so there's more there's more to beer than sugar people <laughs> so true it's like you're in a different mood sometimes too it's like when you watch a show you're not gonna always watch you know, an action thing, or you're not going to always watch like a, you know, thriller. So it's like, I feel like beer, it's like, you know, it's just different moods you're in different, you know, different seasons. Um, the one season I think that could probably go to hell would be pumpkin, uh, pumpkin <laughs> beers. <laughs> Sorry, pumpkin. I, must I, swear. I don't disagree with you, man. I, 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 I you know, it is, I, I don't like, I don't mind the maltiness. I don't even mind like a squashy kind of pumpkin flavor. They can kind of get that somehow. I just don't like it when it tastes like a melted down Yankee candle. You know, that, that's my thing. Like, I just, you know, if it's just like tons of like a clove bomb, nutmeg bomb, it's like I can do that <laughs> myself. I can take some Jamaican jerk and just throw that in my beer. I don't need. <laughs> so that that's where I draw a line. And I also draw a line, I think, in, in a similar fashion to like pastry stouts. To Like, I love a good, I you know, IPAs. I love good, you know, imperial stouts. But when they're so, so sweet, mm-hmm. like I want to split that with like Will or somebody you else. Have to, I'm you not feel sick. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like I don't need if I want a dessert, you know, or whatever. Or you know, some of those are great if you left like left one out, you know, reduce it, make like a sauce out of it. Ooh, Throw on cool. some steak or chicken. It's fantastic. One time Will, I remember, left uh an Imperial stout in the freezer because we were trying to chill it down. We left it for like two hours. Yeah, yeah, we do well. that. Yeah, yeah. And then we, we drank it and uh it was like the best thing ever. It was like a slushy <laughs> It was Stout. like a slushy, and it was like condensed, and it was just like it was, it was so good. I think I have a homebrew too, like a homebrew imperial style. I made. Mean, yeah, I no, no, totally. Some of the totally. best beer we've ever had. <laughs> that, re- that reminds me, actually, uh, Stockholm. Um, friends of ours, you know, living over in Sweden, and we had actually been there a number of times. Um, but Omnipolo, you guys yeah. familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. They have gorgeous cans. Yeah. Yeah. So Omnipolo, um, they have a uh, their brew bar is called Omnipolo's hat. And, uh, basically they have like, they make this beer ice cream and it's, it's not ice cream. It's essentially like they take their beer. It's almost like a beer slushy. So they'll basically like, here's the beer. And then they'll basically put the slushy shit on top of, of your beer. And it's, that was like a game changer, man. It was like amazing. Um, 
really cool brewery uh cool place again i don't know why these beer places always have like these artisanal pizza places next to them you know or built in but uh but that's that's a good stop beer um, and pizza it works yeah, man. <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm gonna give another shout out to another swedish brewery because we are crazy swedes even though we're not sweet ish um well i well you are a little bit you know come on <laughs> But there's a brewery up and coming in uh, Sweden called Stig Berietz. It's it's it looks like it's spelled Stig Brigettes. Freaking amazing! Like I have not had a bad beer from them, regardless of what the style is. So I don't know if they're actually exporting at this point, but that's something for people to check out. Stig Berietz is awesome. Amazing! Uh, you guys are definitely the perfect people to ask my classic wrap up question to. Uh, it's, it's, you, you definitely have experience, probably as much experience as I have with this situation. Um, you guys are busy. Um, you're composing scores, uh, you're improvising. You, you gotta be fresh and on your toes, but every once in a while it happens to everyone. What are your hangover cures? Oof. I mean, I don't really have a hangover cure. I mean, for me, it's either going to be hair or the dog. So you're going to have another drink in the morning. Or just keep sleeping. <laughs> Hair of the dog works, but you got to stop. That's the issue. It's true. Yeah, you can't keep going. Like a week you can't half. keep going. <laughs> uh, ibuprofen and Sudafed. Hmm. Interesting. And what I hey, I'll pound that stuff. So, so uh, for me, actually, electrolyte stuff, man. Not to get all you know, whatever, but like the magnesium. I'll just start like sipping on it. At towards the last hour or two, I'm like, oh, I can keep drinking. I'm like, no, you really can't. Start drinking some water, and I'll just start pounding like a three ounce shot of water with a little bit of that, and I'll just keep sipping on that. In the last so hour, that's, or two so that's planning though. That's the, you're you're planning towards having. Yeah, a I have good to morning. because or else the next day, it can, you know, could be rough. But it's but if I'm already in rough shape the next morning, poo, yeah, just sleep it off and hope that the uh, Sudafed ibuprofen kick in, and hope <laughs> that you don't have anything to do the next day. That is the thing. The problem is, is the busier that we get, everything is organized. See, see I, as much as everything is calculated in my band, it's the same in my life. So, <laughs> yes, I get you. Yeah, I, I'm kind of compartmentalizing myself. You know, you, you have to. You know, you know, like the next day, you, you have to be somewhere. You have to be, you know, teaching kids or something else. That's a rough day. It is. <laughs> I speak from experience. Uh, Rob, Will, thank you so, so much for hanging out with me, talking about your lives, music, and craft beer. Lots of craft beer. I'm very happy that we talked lots about craft beer. I've been doing lots of interviews recently where I say, we talked a little bit about beer, but we talked a lot about beer today, and that makes me very happy. And I got to crack two, uh, I, got, I got two more spaces in my fridge, thanks to you guys. I appreciate that. Uh, massive cheers. Everyone go check out Crazy Swedes. Came out in September. It's an experience, and, and if you see it live, it's going to be a different experience, and uh, I hope to do that one day soon. Massive cheers to you both. Cheers. Cheers, man. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, this was an awesome hang. I immediately found beer-loving friends <laughs> during this conversation. Massive cheers to Will and Rob for just being awesome. I cannot wait to hang out face-to-face. -face. Uh, we've messaged each other a few times after we recorded this interview, talking about uh, potentially meeting up, hopefully, in 2023 at some point when they pop up here for one of their epic beer trips uh, to Montreal. I'm going to take them around, and we're going to have a goddamn good time. Very stoked that we talked a lot about uh, 
jam bands, um, experimental, improv-styled writings. It's just very cool, something that's brand new for me, and I, I think it's super liberating and sounds very exciting. So massive cheers to Will and Rob. Uh, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Check out Crazy Swedes if that's something that you're into. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Auto Podcast's mailing list. You can do that by going to my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. When you do that, you shall receive one email a week that will detail everything that is going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Auto Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I dropped that week. You will get to see which episodes I have coming up. You also get to hear about any projects I have in the works. And trust me, I always got a lot of stuff going on. You also get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed that week. And you will get to see which albums Jerry Monk, Vox and Hops' metal architect himself, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist. There is always a lot of things going on in the world of the Vox and Hops metal podcast, and I hate when you miss a single thing, so please sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hops metal podcast is brought to you by Sound, Talent, Media, and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a killer weekend. I will be back next week with yet again two episodes, one on Tuesday and another on Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.